Marini's Media. Hello, Fit Like Manny's. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. This week, as Stevie G reached 100 not out in charge of Rangers, Hearts had other ideas as Boise grabbed the headlines. Some Dons fans say they're Aberdone with Derek and it remains dire under dire for Killy. Meanwhile, in England, Jason Cummings, remember him, made his name known to the masses, the Joker. Speaking of Jokers, Andrew Slavin's not here this week, which is why you've got me in control of the buttons. I'm JJ Bull and alongside me is the wonderful Finn Marks of Copa 90. Hello, Finn. Hello. And also, Kieran Canning from AFP. Hello, Kieran. Hello. How are you both? I'm fine. I thought I thought Andrew's um, introduction couldn't be bettered, but that was uh, quite a start. I thought, well, you wanted me to do this in Doric. I don't know. I'm not as good at Doric as some of the, the Recht folk up, up north, but uh, we'll try a little bit now and again. But obviously, not just northeast. All of Scotland was celebrating a bit of Burns Night the other night. Did you have a Burns Night? I did, yeah. I actually was doing the address to Haggis at a Burns Night. Did you? With in, a knife and everything? Yeah. With, oh. uh, I, I used. Uh, Can you do a little bit? Can you do the first line? Fair fire, your honest Swansea face. Great chieftain of the pudding race. A boon the ma, you tack your place. Pain stripe or firm. Wheel are you worthy, O a grace, as langs my arm. There we go. That's all for this week. That's all. <laughs> see, you, see you later. Kieran, did you do Burns Night? Did you do that? I, I didn't know. I can't compete with uh, Finn's magnificent toast to the haggis there. That's good. Did you eat some football pie? Uh, I watched some football. I did I did not partake in a pie this, this weekend. You know, it's, it's, still, it's still January, you know. We've got to... Uh, Cut the calories. <laughs> uh, well, another thing we should talk about, apart from cutting calories, is uh, Archie Devitt on Reddit asks, where do fans go to get those huge banners printed that they bring to games? Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I've got no idea. I've, I've never done it myself. I've often wondered where you get them and how you sneak them in. What, what is, I think it's almost disappointing how professional a lot of them now look. I much preferred when it was just like a bed sheet and someone's painted on it <laughs> and you know, they got half yeah. of it up and then the wind was blowing it and you couldn't really read the message properly. Those were and the like much struck better. through with yes. the spelling done. I like it if they would do it in um, like a really just bad font, like not Times New Roman, but you know one of those basic fonts you'd use at school or something like that? Verdana or something. Like Verdana, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, let's talk about the Premiership. We'll go right into the football. Rechten. Rechten. Right. Recht. So the Premiership is back. It was lovely. We've had two match days since we last spoke. So to catch up, here's what happened. Killy lost home and away to both Celtic and St Johnston. Aberdeen couldn't muster much, losing to Motherwell and drawing with St Mirren. Oh, it was bad to watch. Rangers limped a 1-0 win over St Mirren before a shock loss to Hearts. Was it a shock, though? Who, in turn, spent the week unbeaten, as did their Edinburgh counterparts, Hibs. Hamilton's back-to-back losses mean Hearts, which is one point off 11th. And that leaves Livy living at large with a double W and Celtic five points clear at top of the Prem and back in pole position for the title. Not one mistake, reading all that, there we go. Grant Campbell on Twitter commented on last week's pod referring to our Lamar loving, lemur as I call him. Well, it's just Vins actually. If there's any justice in the world, the Scottish Premiership title race should go to the last game of the season because right about now it's 50-50. I like that. And I know that. I did know this song by <laughs> Lemur, it was nice. Sadly, Rangers didn't uh, see it like that, it seems. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. It's Boyce again. Liam Boyce deflection and in. It is the debut of his dreams. 
Seven minutes from time. The Northern Ireland international striker turns this game on its head. Hearts, 10 league games without a win. Daniel Stendhal without a league win as Hearts manager. Looks on in delight. It's a time castle tale of the unexpected. So it was Hearts 2, Rangers 1. That happened on Sunday. It was Stevie G's, uh, Gerard to give him his full name, 100th match in charge of Rangers. In Hearts 1 with new boy Liam Boyce grabbing the winner, leaving Gerard saying his team have blinked big time. When Rangers took two touches at kickoff, was that the moment you knew it wasn't going to end well for them? Start with you, Finn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still, looking back on it, don't know how Rangers contrived to lose that game. Uh, yeah. They were they were dreadful the entire match. I think it's probably the poorest I've seen Rangers play this season. Um, is that their fault or is it Hearts done that? Uh, I, I think it's a bit of both. I think Stephen Gerrard talked post-match that there were seven or eight passengers in that game, that the team was unrecognisable and... Having watched the game, I was when you compare that to the performances against, like, say, in any of the European games or the game at Parkhead just just after Christmas, mm. it's completely different. I thought that was Stephen Davis's worst game since he resigned for Rangers. He was absolutely abysmal. Ryan Jack still carrying an injury. Glenn Kamara was clueless. I think that's where the game was lost, really. But it, it's it's that duality between Rangers being very poor and Hearts being very well organised. And I thought the especially watching the way that Boyce and Naismith, who are two very physical strikers that like to drop off a bit and they were pulling the defence out a little bit right. was really good and Sibic, uh, the new lad as well in centre mid I thought kind of breezed through the game It was such a weird game because when you watch the game in, in full you get that impression that we're talking about like Hearts really buying into this sort of Stendhal ball right, pressing <laughs> Was it with the ball? <laughs> first of all pressing almost ludicrously high at some time you know um, uh-huh. like centre backs chasing into the, the Rangers half Try to win the ball back. When you look at the stats, Hearts in more possession, which is you know something you definitely would not have expected from this game. More shots on goal, and yet it really sort of hit home when um, having watched the full game. And then saw uh, sports scene highlights last night, and on the highlights you would think Rangers should have won that game like four one because they had so many clear chances. When when Hearts didn't get their press right, and that still that's still very much a work in progress. Because they, they highlighted that how many times their defensive line was some sort of like zigzag shape, like <laughs> completely the opposite of what it should be, and Rangers get uh, in, yeah, yeah, and Rangers get in a number of times and didn't take their chances. And if particularly the ones they had in the first half, if they go, I mean, they'd go ahead. But if they if they go more than one goal ahead, you think oh, that's going to be hard for for Hearts to come back from. And that's maybe the the most impressive thing of all in this performance and result was that when they did go one nil down. It would have been very easy at that point for them to, to let it go and uh, given totally given the run that they've been on. So to come back um, and the fact that I think when we're talking about like Naismith and Boyce, not just the fact that those are, those are the two goal scorers, but they're going to be hugely important if the Hearts are going to turn their season around because obviously Naismith have missed for most of the season because of his injury problems. Boyce is a, a proven goal scorer at this level and, and the type of player that they've been needing. So if they can keep those two fit um, and it's a big if because again with Hearts they, they suffered um, a few injury problems yesterday and that seems to be an, an ongoing thing no matter who the manager is um, but yeah if they keep those two fit you would expect that they'll they'll rise up the table and, and won't really oh, be in a relegation they'll definitely be up battle. I thought they were amazing yesterday uh, I went right through it today for a piece in the, <coughs> done in the Telegraph just tripping down all, all the differences you can see between what Levine was doing even what Stendhal's done in a short space of time and the most striking things for me was how 
uh, like they're, they're shaping. They were they're really well organised, like, like you're saying, but everything was really narrow and compact, like that that gegen pressing style you meant to have. So you meant to have loads of players together in the same uh, like vertical space, so that when the ball bounces loose, you can then have someone else next to it to collect and keep that that counter press going. And uh, they're doing that really well. But the fullbacks are really brave, pushing up really high. The defensive line, that that zigzag thing, that's one. I think that's just them not being fully confident with it. Not brave enough. I thought they were really brave, but I think that they're still not quite used well, to it. Exactly, because you're like, because you're, you're natural. If you're not uh, rapid, and you've get, even though Defoe's not, you know, hugely fast because he's eighty five years old now. <laughs> but like, if you're not that fast, I bet, I bet he's a bit older than him. Anyway, you you want to give yourself two, three yards on a striker if you're defending, and they're used to sitting deep, like maybe fifteen yards deeper than they would be here. They're pushed right about halfway at this point. And you've seen it was, it was sometimes Halkett, sometimes Suter was just taken five yards back and that was one person that was playing them on side. And that's like the highlights that Rangers getting these chances, I think the press is working really well, but like the first goal came in the second half and that was so it was when the ball was turned over, it's from a throw in, hearts um, hearts of a throw in, and um when the ball's turned over, Rangers win two fifty fifties and suddenly uh, hearts have nine men behind the ball. <laughs> but, but and that's the, not ideal. No, but the thing, I mean the, the goal does kinda come the Rangers goal does kinda come on a counter attack. I mean it's a brilliant goal. Yeah, counter they get a four and four in like two seconds. It's the so the quick. run made by, by Barisic, who's becoming like more and more just like a massive player for, for Rangers. Although Arebo will probably get the assist because it's Barisic's cross and then Arebo taps it off to Kent. It's Barisic's run. You get the pre-assist or that, that really kind of makes, makes the goal. But then you see the the positive side of Hearts press. If that's them getting sort of caught out a bit, the Hearts equaliser comes from Halkett winning the ball, who's a centre half like midway inside the Rangers In the right half. wing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so, yeah. And, and uh, like I agree that Davis wasn't great and I think <coughs> Kamara struggled as well. But I think it's because they just did not expect to have so little time in the ball. They like, Scottish football's quite fast, so you have to be quite like, one touch and go. But Rangers normally have a bit of time to look up and pick a pass, and you can see these boys were getting it and then getting just surrounded. Rangers usually they're they're pretty decent at passing triangles, the way that they can play themselves out of trouble. I just think it's a confidence thing, especially because when when Halkett forced that mistake on Kamara yesterday, that wasn't just an odd occasion that Kamara did that Kamara lost possession in that fashion probably six or seven times during the game and it led to the goal obviously Goldson slips right before it falls to to Naismith's feet so it's a bit unfortunate there but it was yeah it, it, it I can't really place how poor it was it's interesting looking back if you wind the clock back a year the exact same thing happened after the winter break pretty much to the day you know Rangers managed to break a hoodoo which was beating Celtic in the league last year they beat them at home this year they, they beat them away a massive hoodoo broken then they go away for two weeks and it's like, like hoodoo just that... hearts, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then they come, uh, last year it was Kilmarnock and they were cruising in that game until Joe Warrell makes the mistake then the heads go down and there's, some, there's something weird about the mentality there I wonder if that because I mean there's been a lot of comparisons made to that Kilmarnock game like over a year ago now but it's almost a comparison to, to they've played Hearts away twice this season. The Rangers have only not won four games, I think it is, in the Premiership, and two of them been at Tynecastle. Mm-hmm. I was 1-1 one, one last time, one, And yeah. that was also at a time where it just came after Celtic had lost at <coughs> Livingston. So Rangers were ahead in the title race. Oh, I see. It's the mentality. I wonder if there's something that, you know, they're, they're very comfortable now still chasing, but it's like they've done, they've came a huge way under Gerrard and there's a lot of, you know, how, how far they come on under Gerard, given this was his 100th game. But if that's just the next level now, that mentality to, to go on and be quite happy leading the, the league and, and handling that pressure. 
because given the the run of fixtures that are now coming up, Celtic have still definitely got the next the, the harder run in the next five six weeks. So there's every chance that Celtic will drop points at some point in that run, and Rangers will be back in the the position of of leading if they win their, their game in hand. So how they handle that if it does happen is is going to be fascinating. Well, I think. Steven Gerrard said after the game that he kind of he didn't say he agreed with you, but he more or less does in his comments. He said, uh, "I could pick five, six, seven, eight players I didn't recognise who were passengers today in a hundred games. I've never sat here and said that. It's probably the first time in a hundred games I haven't recognised us in and out of possession. See, I don't want to take it away from Hearts. I really think it was Hearts causing them problems. But then you boys have said things that made me think I might be wrong now. <laughs> the one thing I do think made a big difference to you've you've mentioned the foes of age. Yesterday was one of the first times I've looked at the foe and thought." He's he's a very good twenty minutes, half an hour off the bench player for Rangers, or possibly home games against weaker opposition. Right, yeah. But if Morales was playing yesterday, I think Rangers win the game. I, I completely agree, and I think the thing is as well, it's it, you can see it's an obvious thing to say, but I think it's worth saying that Rangers are a completely different beast when they don't have Morales in the team, and also when they don't have Tavernier, who's one of the main attacking outrights, and just that ba- balance they get. Plus, it's their captain, you know, it's the, the guy that leads them on the pitch. And I think it's because Morelos makes a lot of his own chances, and he knows how to pull defenders, he creates chances for himself, he knows how to rag uh, goals. That line would have been perfect for him. I think so. And and he's done it at Tynecastle a few times before. He scored some very important goals there. Defoe needs service, and when the five other you know the three midfielders and the two the two other wide players in attack. When those five players aren't giving him anything, he he doesn't make those chances. Well, it uh, looks like something we could talk about for quite a while, but apparently we've got to move on. And uh, we should talk about St Johnston versus Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock continue their poor form of the two one losses Johnston as Alex Dyer Ron seals their performance, saying we are not good enough at the moment. Uh, to put the numbers on it, it's nine matches without a win, seven straight losses, conceding 14 goals, scoring four in that time. Hire that man! Do you think Dyer's made any positive impact since he got the job? Uh, well, he absolutely smashed someone in the cup, didn't he? So there's that. Chris Chris, <laughs> Chris Burke set a world record for assists. So, you know, there's that. There's there's peaks and troughs. Now, they've been... I, I, I was trying to figure this out because, again, it's largely... They still have a core of a lot of the same players that were there last year, but I think it's noticeable in the players that they did lose during the summer that they are the ones that gave them that that extra edge. Definitely. So where Kilmarnock are, I think for a large swathes last season they're quite a stuffy team. They made dragged games down. They made it difficult for teams to play against them. But then on top of that, you know if you've got players with and they've still got Chris Burke, but when you lose a player like Chris Boyd or whatever up front is the focal point for that attack. I, I just think. I, that's that. It seems like a small change, but it's been a real drop off in quality. I mean, you signed you signed some players, right? You brought in quite a few. Uh, who was in the starting lineup on the weekend? Kabamba started up front. Harry Buns on the left. But they've got like, the players they're signing don't come from great pedigree. It doesn't mean they're not good players, and they won't improve to turn into them. I mean, you look at Cosgrove signed from Carlisle, and he's turned into a decent player. But uh, it is those players that are missing that is really making that difference. Jordan Jones is like the big one. I think that they're really struggling with. Um, he says he wants to get more players in. This is Dyer. Says he wants to get more players in. Do you think are there players out there that can make them much better? What do they need? Yeah, I mean, my fear for them would be we talked about the the Chris Burke six assists in the in the cup, but watching the game on Saturday, like anything good that Kamarnock did, it was down to Chris Burke, and he's thirty six. Yeah, you know, so to be so reliant on one player who's you know very much past his his prime, it's very harsh. Well, and the thing with. <laughs> <laughs> with what you're saying, the last season they kind of brought games down to their to their level. 
they were just so solid defensively that they only needed one goal most games. Yeah. yeah. Once you once you start losing that and you still don't have the defensive threat or you're even losing important um, attacking players like Jones had mentioned, even Taylor, I know he's not the most attacking left back in the world, but he did offer a bit of an outlet there. And it's a better player than what exactly, they've yeah. kind of got. And you lose a bit, you lose your good players and you, you you just suffer as a team. I mean, they've got Ross County and Hearts next. It's really interesting to see how they get on with these games because it, it might be the case that Dyer turns out to be a better coach than as a manager. Yeah, well, the one this is a very football journalist take, but the one thing when you listen to him in his like post match press conferences or interviews, or whatever, he doesn't really strike you as a very um, charismatic kind of leader. He doesn't almost doesn't seem to come across with having a lot of confidence in himself. And yeah, I wonder if he's maybe he's maybe one of those guys that he's a good you know training ground coach, but not a great manager. I mean, they obviously have a lot of faith in him because he lost the three games. When he was in temporary charge, and they still made him permanent he, he manager anyway. His tatties, like, he seems to know what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think I think he possibly is a very good coach, but there's there is a difference. There's plenty of good coaches that then don't go on to be great managers. Yeah, I think he'll get time. I don't think there's any any risk of them being dragged into a relegation battle. They might not get top six if they if they continue going on this run. Yeah, it looks pretty tough. Uh, I mean, speaking of relegation battles, they've got St Johnston who've lost. Well, they sold Kennedy. Matty Kennedy's going to Aberdeen. I think it was ninety k or something they paid earlier to get him out of his contract, and they'll probably need to replace him. Tommy Wright's <laughs> not having the best of times. Seems to be falling out with those above him, taking quite a strong stance. I, th- I think he was saying today he, he kind of put a little bit of that to bed where he was like oh, I, I kind of tend to just you know have a rant every now and again and but yeah I, I think he's got every right to yeah I, I suppose it's the same kind of problem with any kind of club of St Johnson's size which and, and it goes at levels going up all the way because even you could say that Aberdeen you know they take players from like a St Johnson or something like that and then they might lose their better players to you know the English Championship or to Celtic or something like that yeah, I, I I think they might need one or two more. They've kind of started to level out now because they had such a horrendous start to the season. Yeah, I mean, a level with Killy. Like, I, I, was, I was going to say, I mean, they, they, we shouldn't underestimate the, again, because we talked about this when they were really struggling with the great job that Tommy Wright had done over a number of years and that's why they weren't going to sack him because he had so much credit in the bank. And again, he's turned things around and got them to a stage now where they do look... At least comfortable enough that they're not going to finish in the in the bottom two. So I don't think we can. That's maybe where some of his frustration comes from. That once again he's done a very good job working under the resources that he's been given, very limited resources. He sees another one of his better players going, and he's still not really getting much money to work with to to bring more in. Aye, I mean it, it's really difficult having to manage like that. But uh, they've got Celtic next, so that'll be nice and easy. How does Tommy Wright approach that? Gag and press high. Highline. <laughs> I also wonder because obviously they've got another big game. I think they play Hearts next weekend. We don't want the league to get to this stage where teams are doing this, but do they almost look ahead to that game and try and focus on on winning that rather than going and giving absolutely everything? That's a recipe to get pumped, though. Isn't emptying it? Isn't the it? tank against Celtic and then possibly suffering the after effects against Hearts. What do you do with your manager, Sir Johnson, for this game, Finn? I would actually take heart from a lot of the way that Ross County played at the weekend. Like Ross County had two really good chances to go ahead in that match, and they didn't take them. So, and, and that was playing, it's a bit reductive to call it just long ball, but they were playing, just trying to get behind the Celtic back line really quickly. I would and, believe and it, it if you said long ball, though. <laughs> no, but the thing, I think it was more than two. There was two very good ones and then two other sort of half chances. 
the big thing about that was like the left side of Celtic's defence was an absolute shambles because they had Johnny Hayes playing left back again. Why I don't really know. And Simunovic, who is a bit of a ticking time bomb, waiting to sort of uh, give away points because he was also very ropey at the Partick Thistle Cup game. So there was like huge gaps that they were just exploiting in between those two. And like Ross County, they, they did so well getting into those positions that just didn't have, have the finishing touch. So if Simonovic and Hayes are both playing on Wednesday, I don't think they will. I think Ayer will probably be back at least for Simonovic. Then that's definitely uh, an area that St. Johnson can target. Yeah, Scott Tanzer at wing back. He'd be all over it. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you're going to do. <laughs> like, you've not got the wingers. Well, this is maybe the one thing that Stevie May is still up to doing is, is running that channel and creating problems and then hopefully passing it off to someone else to finish rather than having to take it on himself. Did you ever see that video of Stevie May eating a kiwi fruit with the skin on? Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, I can't remember where I've seen it. It might have been like MySpace or Bebo. It might be MySpace, one of those. Wow, so I know. recent. And I've always laughed at this. I mean, that's funny, he's eating a kiwi fruit. And then randomly, I was... Googling how to eat a kiwi fruit properly. I was thinking, how are you supposed to eat these? Like, how do you eat a mango? It's hard. Anyway, but kiwi fruits, apparently you're meant to eat the skin. Like, that's normal. I've heard it. That's I'd, weird though, is it? I wonder if he's read that as um, something that helps keep your hair, you know, luscious and full. And he's just kind of stuck to that. Well, you boys need to get some kiwi fruits on the go. <laughs> Mine's luscious. Well, let's move on. Uh, we're still to come. We're going to talk about the Dons win this week. Livingston's four and Celtic extending their lead at the top of the league. Everyone remembers that time you've had that peach of an accumulator looking good only for... Oh, and the keepers let it slip through his legs in the 94th minute. Or the right back has to pull on the gloves and face a penalty. Or Man United have again conceded a late equaliser. But with Paddy Power's Acker Cracker, you get a free bet if one leg of your fourfold plus Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds of 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeCampbellAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Oh, what a game I had. <laughs> Paisley, St Mirren nil, Aberdeen nil. Oof, my computer's still on fire from watching it. So uh, Aberdeen fans told Derek McInnes to get to f***. Uh, it's audible, you hear supporters shouting it, singing it. And say, no, it's shouting, isn't it? After their dire start to 2020... This is a nil-nil draw with St Mirren. It's the latest poor showing from the Dons. You've yet to score an open play this year. McInnes said he's gutted by the fans' reaction, saying, um, I'm disappointed, of course I am. We're all human. I'm a bit gutted by it. It's been happening for a wee while. Like, I know he's known about it for quite a while, but it seemed to be frustrating him uh, at, at a certain time recently where you know, what's, he, what's he supposed to do? He's, get, he's been achieving what he's supposed to. The team's playing... Well, the team was playing well to an extent. It's been pretty brutal to watch recently. I've got my take on it, but I wonder what you boys think. I think the problem with McInnes is it's a problem with all managers who play that style, that it's fine whilst you're getting results, but as soon as results dry up, you have nothing to fall back on because there's there's no other redeeming quality about, <laughs> about the football. You know, it, I'll allow it. It's yeah, you because know, I'm probably thinking I've always I mean I will never be a football manager because I'm 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 not skillful enough in those ways like you are, JJ. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah, because I'll be one. Yeah, but the yeah, I've always thought that like why why put yourself in the position of just being a results manager because it's such a sort of fickle existence that at least if you play good football, then you at least give 
some joy to the supporters because you, you often 90, lose when you play good football because it leaves you open. Yeah, but like ninety percent of teams or more, ninety nine percent of teams aren't going to win anything because we all know the teams with like the most money and everything are going to are going to win. You know, yeah. So, Bar getting relegated, which I very much doubt Aberdeen are going to do. I mean, they could at least challenge St Mirren, though. <laughs> right. They could at least, you know, would, for example, as an Aberdeen fan, would you accept playing, finishing sixth in the league, say, but playing much better football, maybe bringing through some more young kids, or would you prefer to finish third or fourth at the moment playing hoofball to Cosgrove? Uh as a neutral, <laughs> uh, I well, I mean, I want, uh, 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 I don't know. I want them to play like Holland in 1974, right? That's how I want them to play. It's not going to happen. Scottish football, it's a low standard. I think it's far more important to me to watch Aberdeen actually win stuff. The League Cup but win was huge. Win? That's the thing. I know, but then think of that, think of that team. I've said it a few times before, but that team was built to be to hit teams on the counter, and because that, when they took over. Teams weren't that fearful of Aberdeen. They opened up and tried to play. It was quite trendy at the time to play possession football. And that's gone back, especially in Scotland, to being, nope, we're going to sit back in banks and win off the second ball and the first ball. And the problem they've got, like, there's no way in training that McInnes, <laughs> I've been told this, I know, that they don't do like half an hour, like they do all their little pretty pass, passing patterns and then go, you right, see, lads, let's shell it. You see, you've been told this, right? But yeah. were you told this by the same man that told you that Scott Wright couldn't have done his ACL because he just had chicken feeters? <laughs> uh, that may or may not be the case. But it's someone involved in the... In the, in the someone, who's been, someone who's been at the training ground. Anyway, but they're not doing that, right? So why is why is McKenna and Ash Taylor... Why do they think the ball is literally a bomb and they have to get it far away from them as they can when it comes... They, they header it. 30 yards every time take it on the chest I really don't understand why they can't practice that and do it there's no one near I get it you're trying to get it away and then chase it down but like you've got Cosgrove who never drops to receive it you've got wingers who receive the ball far too high up the pitch so they can't then run at anyone can't do anything with it everyone sits back against them so the pace that Aberdeen don't really have doesn't work the midfield like like McGeech Ojo people have said that they can't play as a duo but they're not that similar. Like they both pass the ball, and move it around. You know, one can drop deep, one can take it in. Ferguson's more of a box-to-box kind of player. I, mean, I think this is a very simple solution: is that McGeoch played by far his best football next to John McGinn, so you just need to sign him. Yeah. Well, okay. Also, as well, it, when you see like the way that Motherwell have been playing this season, and contrast that to where they are in the table and, and how Aberdeen have been playing. Like, it is possible. I know, but my one fallback to that is that although Aberdeen lost the last time, it was at, uh, the time before that, Motherwell played their nice pretty football and Aberdeen went straight through them and came with a 3-0. But uh, what we should do, I think, is get a different voice. For a better perspective, we're going to speak to fan and journalist Benji Palmer. Hi Benji, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Oh, we're all doing very well in this lovely studio. Uh, but more importantly, we'd like to know where it's all gone wrong, if it has, for uh, Aberdeen just now. Where it's all gone wrong? Yeah. I mean, Derek McInnes certainly seems to feel that it's in the final third. He thought that the team wasn't sort of creating enough chances, weren't they playing with enough pace? And I mean, he, he made moves to bring in Matty Kennedy. So, I mean, he certainly feels that it's an attacking third. I mean, that they haven't scored a goal from open play in the last four games. I mean, it's a real cause for concern. But I mean, they're also leaking more goals than we usually have this season. So it's at both ends of the pitch. I mean, it, it's all sort of adding up into... I mean, it's just not perfect for Aberdeen fans. And um, at both ends of the pitch, there's change needed, I suppose. What do you think they... Like... 
What's the kind of buzz around the supporters? You see on Twitter that there's quite a few. They, they, they often at me <laughs> uh, that they, they think now might be a time for McInnes to go. Don't know what you think and and what the general vibe with fans are. Is it a majority of fans? I think that is it's a small vocal part of them. <laughs> I do like that we tag you, GG, because obviously you're the, you're the voice of authority. You're the voice of authority in yeah, Aberdeen. Right. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I mean, it's strange with Aberdeen. You go from the Dumbarton game where you've got the red shed, everybody's buzzing, and you think, right, 2020, it's off to a slow start, but it's all right. But I mean, Aberdeen fans and sort of not liking McInnes, it's, it's been festered for years. And I mean, this goes all the way back to his own Rangers days. Some fans just don't like him purely because he played for Rangers back in the 90s. He grew up supporting them. But I mean, when results start getting going poorly and you're not beating St Mirren away from home, you're getting beat at Motherwell at home, fans are growing frustrated. I mean, it used to just be sort of confined to social media and fans having a blast at the Aberdeen Twitter page after a game or whatever. <laughs> but St Mirren on Sunday was a totally different kettle of fish because all of a sudden you've got an entire stand and I'm not going to say it just in case I get bleeped off we, it's fine we've got fans chanting for McInnes to get to um, which which is not uh, which is not good for McInnes to hear I can imagine yeah that's the thing and he's done like he's clearly I, I think he's such a great manager and has done things but he thinks it's the players in the final third and I wonder whether because a lot of the stuff I seem to hear is that it's the style of play people are just so fed up with watching it and it's quite kind of Mourinho-esque when it doesn't work it looks awful uh, yeah. And this is the big problem. I was going to say, when you talk about the problems in the final third, but is the problem then not how he's setting them up and how, like, if they're just launching it forward to Cosgrove, right, then mm-hmm. obviously the players in the final third are going to have much less to work with. Whereas, if does he not, as, as well as he has done, does it now need a new manager, just a fresh start and a fresh style of play so that the, the, the yeah. fans will give the new manager more time? I mean, McInnes is a very pragmatic manager. I mean, Aberdeen fans, of course, want to see their team play fast, full and attractive football. But McInnes' main objective when he goes out there is to get a result. I mean, the first sort of time this conflict between supporters and manager came up was probably Livingston earlier this season, which was a dreadful game to watch. But I think Aberdeen got the win in the end. And McInnes was pleased with it. McInnes delighted three points up the road, tough place to go. But then Aberdeen fans are like, no, it was terrible. Football was bad. So, I mean, there's a conflict there. McInnes, I mean, when he had the likes of Johnny Hayes and Niall McGinn in the wings, and he had a James Madison or Ryan Christie, it was attractive football. So, I mean, maybe, I think he might look at it now and look to take in players of a similar ilk. I mean, he's already compared Matty Kennedy to Johnny Hayes so I mean I think he maybe is looking at it and saying we need to get more players in who are going to add um, that sort of attacking spark Well that's it I mean I wonder if you think Matty Kennedy will make a big difference like McInnes sets things up so that he gives players freedom to create so rather than giving them patterns of play they have to follow they're supposed mm-hmm. to be able to like go on the fly so you can you know do things that are unpredictable and create stuff and I thought Kennedy was decent uh, on the weekend but it seems that there's something lacking between the midfield and the, and the the wingers. I don't know if if the players then maybe they just need a bit of something. I was wondering whether yeah. a, a, a different attacking coach coming in might help to give them I, something on the training ground. I mean, you're much better tactically than I am, Gigi. But what it seems to me is that Aberdeen are just missing the number ten. I mean, you've got Dylan McGeeck, Finzo Ojo, and Lewis Ferguson. I mean, we're not all similar players. Ferguson's a different player to the first two. Sure. But I mean, Ferguson's not a number ten. He's much better at sort of carrying the ball forward from deep and sort of dragging Aberdeen into games. He's a great player, Lewis Ferguson, but he's not a number 10. He's not technical enough for that role. 
and you've not got sort of someone who can then spread it out to the wings or sort of thread through balls to the strikers in that number 10 role. I mean, it's a Ryan Christie or a James Madison that Aberdeen are really missing. I mean, even Peter Pollock back in the day kind of played that kind of role. So, I mean, that, that's probably the missing link for me at the minute in that Aberdeen team. Well, that was Benji Palmer, freelance journalist, writes for Times quite a lot. Great writer. So check him out on the old tweet tweets. But now we're onto a real... I can't believe it has so many goals in it. Hamilton 2, Livingston 4. That's a nil-nil all day, but not here. Total goal fest at Hamilton. The host took the lead against Livingston. The away team made it 2-1. The Nakis brought it back to 2-2 before Livy scored twice in three minutes to win 4-2. Kieran, what about that goalkeeper, though? <laughs> I was about to say, the, one of the reasons it was such a high-scoring game, although probably only for one of the goals, was... Um, some uh, remarkable goalkeeping by uh, Livingston's unknown goalkeeper. You say it was a Rangers brother, a Rangers player brother, was it? They're twins. Yeah, he's, he's, he's oh, one from Rangers as well. Is it Rory McCrory? Robbie McCrory. Robbie McCrory. Rory McCrory. Kieran McCreeran. I noticed he said R McCrory. But yeah, so so we'll call him Rory because it's pretty much better. But yeah, his um, Rory McCrory and goal. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Hamilton's second goal. Sam Woods is on loan from Crystal Palace, I believe. The ball is headed and is going over the bar and McCrory decides to try and save it anyway and manages to palm it down pretty much straight onto Woods' head for what at the time made it 2-2. But overall, I have to say, I was actually very impressed by by Livingston. We kind of... I know they... I mean, even Brian Rice said afterwards he was talking about how strong they are on corners and, and long throws and Hamilton didn't really deal with it. I mean, all these goals seem to be from set pieces. But, but, the, but there's a few sort of um, decent moves as well, particularly for the, the fourth uh, Livingston goal. It was very much it was set up by uh, Lyndon Dykes and Scott Pittman um, scored it. And Livingston do have enough. I know they they do play to a structure. They are quite direct at times. Dykes is a focal point. But they do have enough good players in and around that with like um, Pittman, Sybold has now scored quite a few goals. Sybold's goal... Oh, it did come from a long throw, but the, the finish is is really good. You know, really good technique taking it on the volley. But yeah, between you know, Pittman, Lawless, Sybil, they do have a goal threat, and they're on a really good run. I think they've won um, four in a row now. They've only lost one of the last ten games. Funnily enough, that was against Aberdeen, and they're they're in the well, very well positioned in the the top six now. They're seven points ahead of um, ahead of Kilmarnock in seventh. So once again, despite a, a more difficult start to the season than they had last season when they came flying out of the traps. They're completely defying expectations, budget. They're sort of like a budget Poundland version, but better of Aberdeen. <laughs> Big man up top. Yeah, sell I'd... it long, do it play really well, nice and you know. Yeah, they've got a couple of good players as well. <laughs> I, I think it's it's um, it's a bit of a mentality thing as well. I just think you could see why. Hamilton are where they are on the table, and why Livingston are where they are on the table. Because uh, in the last couple of weeks, I think. Levy had to come from behind at home as well against um, Wraith, I think it was in the cup. They ended up winning that quite comfortably. It was exactly the same here. It's, um, there just seems to be a kind of base level of confidence there. Um, they're quite well organised as well. I think even when they go behind, they think, well, it's no danger. Like, we've got enough to get back into this game. They even drew with Anderlecht in the winter break. <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. <laughs> quite a result. I mean, uh, one thing to look at is Hamilton, Finn, are in 11th, two points off the... Uh, Tenth as the prophecy foretold. It will still Could happen. Could this be it? <laughs> they uh, is yeah. it time? Uh, what for them to go higher or lower, <laughs> or to finish in eleventh, maybe eleventh or twelfth, isn't it? 
What do I you think? Know. I think I'd, I would struggle to see Hearts staying where they're staying. I think Hamilton are in some real trouble. I think as well, just briefly going back to, to, to the St Mirren game, I think St Mirren's home record, I think they're pretty decent in that they don't actually tend to concede a lot of goals at home. If you do, it's only by the old goal. I think Hamilton have had quite a few pastings at home. So there's all to play for. To use the old cliche, <laughs> it's the business end of the season. It is the business end of the season, but um, I, yeah, I, I kind of worry for Hamilton. Yeah, Celtic coming up as well. But the thing with Hamilton, mm. yeah, you kind of we're all thinking that Hearts are going to pull away from that. So yeah, you're kind of looking at St Mirren, maybe Ross County, but they're four points behind Ross County, having played a game more. The one, well, one of the good things about the the top six, bottom six split, I always find is that the relegation battle in particular like those last five games it's, it's very possible to pick up a lot of points so I mean as long as they're, they're in contention they're Hamilton they'll stay up well speaking of Celtic and Ross County when we did about 20 seconds ago Celtic 3 Ross County nil. <laughs> that's a segue we've uh, had a word on this already but as you've been recording is Mela Soro has officially joined Celtic on a four and a half year deal that's many years he's a midfielder from Ivory Coast and he's a second signing of January after Patrick Klamala tell me about both. Sorrow is a sort of defensive midfielder. He's seen as like one of about a hundred that Celtic have signed who is the apparent heir to Scott Brown. Again It's sort of like a, one of those uh, panel shows where people have to go through <laughs> various rounds to I know that Celtic fans are particularly between like Kamala and Sorrow both fall into very much um, Celtic scouting project signings where they sort of by guys both 21 hope to develop them then sell them on at some stage there's some sort of feeling that given the money they've got in the bank and how tight the title race is they should be, be a bit more ambitious go for go for players that are definitely going to come into the team straight away and make a difference rather than sort of project signings and um, that Brayson Brown is that, I mean it's a big thing it, and it's going to have to come up soon in real life he is going to have to retire at some point but I wonder how much of a huge effect that will have on Celtic's domination of everything. There's this book called The Captain Class that it's, uh, I found really interesting, uh, written by a guy called Sam Walker. And uh, he went through all the most elite teams in, in the world of all time and he narrowed it down to a very few. Like the only football team that got in was the only ones that got in were Deschamps playing for uh, France and, um, and uh, Puyol's captain at Barcelona. And there's heaps of others. I mean, there's things like some of the Liverpool and Manchester United teams didn't make it in because of various factors that meant they weren't within this category of elite they had. And Celtic wouldn't make it in either because they've dominated in Scotland for so long because they've had such an advantage and blah, 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 and not done well in Europe. But Scott Brown is everything that that club is, right? He's, I mean, maybe not the best technical player they've got, but he's a very, very good player. But how do you possibly replace the mentality that he's got in that team the, the club captain what do you do I think goes? it's the intangibles that are going to be the big thing I mean I wonder given like, I mean, depends I suppose how long he goes on how long Lennon's the manager but they have a very strong relationship so would he go then into the sort of coaching staff as a as a way of maintaining him around the club so that some of those sort of like leadership qualities and stuff aren't aren't completely lost yeah and then it's tactically there's a, there's a sort of debate as well because then do you do you drop McGregor into more of the holding player and play a bit different? I mean, McGregor, I think, is, is technically a much better player than than Brown. But, doesn't but you have... need players like Brown in there. It's weird, he, isn't yeah, it? Like doesn't... Jordan Henderson Liverpool, he's not the best player, but they can't do it without him. No, no, but I mean, he's a, he's a different player 
yeah, he doesn't have those sort of like battling qualities, and he doesn't really have the same lead. I mean, there's players there at Celtic that are sort of homegrown and been there for a long time, like McGregor and Forrest, but they're not like loud, sort of, sort of rabble rousing characters. So, I mean, yeah, he will he will be a big loss um, when he goes. But the, yeah, as I say, like Sorrow is just another one of. I mean, the Abui Kwasi sort of um, comparison has been made. Who they signed for about three million three years ago, I think it is now, and has you know barely left the market and is now going. Oh, geez, imagine some of the clubs could spend three million. Imagine Ross County had three million to spend on anything. But, but that's the thing. So get a lot of credit because well, I'll come on to another example of this in a minute. But for their sort of um, recruitment of people like Wanyama and Van Dijk and Dembele and stuff like that, the players that they sell for a lot of money, but they've, they've spent a huge amount of money in sort of two or three million pound signings. That have never done anything and then sort of just have become deadwood lying around. I was going to say lying around Barrowfield, but uh, sounds so sad. Sorrowful. Yeah. Sorrowful. How about we should talk about this actual game though, right? But like, did Ross County do anything that would have scared Celtic? Is there anything like Rangers have got uh, Ross County as well? Is there anything we saw in this game that? It's so what we, could, we talked about earlier. I think with Ross County there was both good and bad. There was played very well to create those chances but the fact they got those chances and didn't take them kind of shows where they're falling down a bit uh, yeah. you said they had a couple of chances but they also lost 3-0 so they did uh, I think it's just it's uh, there's also the, the Edward factor right because it was 1-0 and then Edward came that's on that's another of those panel shows yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just yeah that's just it's the difference in, in quality between those teams you can see that if you if, if you can bring a 9 million pound striker off the bench it's what are you going to do yeah, it definitely helps that's, that's what I was, was mentioning I mean, Edward's another example but they, they bought him for a lot more but um, yeah Neil Lenning saying that he's up there with the best Celtic strikers of the past 20 years uh, there's a piece in the Athletic that's been claimed to say the same sort of thing but uh Maybe I'm not sure he's quite Larson. It's just yeah. well, I think I think Larson's sort of out in the world of his own. Well, he's that. one of the best players I think I've ever seen, Henry Larson. But yeah, I mean, Larson's he's not in that level. Edward's quite good. <laughs> sort of now, I'm trying to think when Larson left, like 2005. So that's yeah, like 15 years ago. I don't know. And in a post-Larson scenario, I think he's he's more or less probably the the best that they've had. Well, in this post-Larson world, let's get the odds on that. Uh, of Ross County doing something at Rangers and more as we speak to Lee Price from Paddy Power Hello Lee with the old firm clubs in action midweek I'm thinking it's not going to be pretty have you odds on Celtic and Rangers scoring at least four apiece and not conceding any? (laughs) Well the Glasgow duo are always heavily backed and this Wednesday night double will be no different a £1 bet on both teams to win would return just 32 pence in profit that's how confident we are on both of them. But clearly you're a bit of a pro, and that's why you've gone looking for the value. So while Rangers are a huge 1-12 to 12 to beat Ross County, they're a far more generous 8-13 to win to nil. And you get 17-10, to 10, they score four more goals. Similarly, Celtic are 2-9 to win at St. Johnson, helped by being away from home. But you can get 11-10 to 10 on them winning to nil, or 3-1, to one, they score four more times. It's the Scottish Cup replays this week and uh, we all want to see whether Dundee United can oust the Hibs but what we really want is goals. What odds on Doidge and Shankland finding the back of the net? Hmm, two absolute goal machines. Christian Doidge, forever a Dagenham Redbridge legend, for me at least. He was only there for a couple of seasons after all. And he's 6-4 to four to score any time while Scotland's very own Erling Haaland, Lawrence Shankland, they even kind of sound the same, kind of, is 8-5 to five to score in this one. For both to score, you get odds of 5.6 to 1. Very specific. And at the weekend, 
Can I get a treble on Livingston, Hearts and Hibs to win? Interesting. Each team is the favourite this weekend, so that's a good start. Livingston are 13-10, to 10, but they are at home to inform Motherwell. Hearts are at St. Johnson, but they're the 7-5 to favourites, while Hibs are the one side of the three that are odds on at 4-5 to five to beat St. Mirren. As a treble, that gives you odds of around 9-1. to one. If you want to throw in one more team, though, Paddy Power's Acker Insurance means if one leg lets you down here, you get your money back as a free bet. There are TNCs, of course. And now a public service announcement about something very, very exciting that you should please definitely come to from Andrew Slavin. Hello, it's me, Andrew Slavin, from the Totally Scottish Football Show, and I'm here to tell you about our upcoming live shows in March. Yes, you can see me and JJ and some familiar Scottish names and faces live in person in Scotland. We'll be playing Glasgow's Glee Club on Tuesday the 24th of March and the Lemon Tree in Aberdeen on Wednesday the 25th of March. And if you want a ticket to be there, it's very simple. Just go to the totallyfootballshow.com forward slash events and click on the event you want to attend. That's the totallyfootballshow.com forward slash events. We'll see you there. What would JJ? Yes. Yes, please definitely come to the show. You definitely should. It'll be really, really fun. Okay, Motherwell nil, Hibernian nil. Not exciting. Not as exciting as a live show. The last match to look at is a Motherwell and Hibs draw. It wasn't the best performance by either side. Uh, definitely not. Stephen Robinson again pointing at the obvious saying, if we had a 20-goal striker, we would have won the game today. Is he correct? Yeah, to a certain extent. I think, especially in the first half, Motherwell, by far, with a better team, created... I, I wouldn't say any like guilt edge chances. They created a lot of chances, but it was you know like headers already the. I say is it chance creation or is it a boy finding chances? Exactly, yeah. and I'm just wondering with his comment about the twenty goal plus striker. I was, I mean, it, it depends. Is it is it twenty goals from, you know, being able to dive onto the end of a, a hopeful ball into the box, or is it is it uh, somebody that's going to create something taking it from the midfield? I, I, I don't know. It felt having watched the first half. I can't believe Motherwell aren't ahead, and then, but actually, I think it was Hibs who hit the post and had a couple of the the better chances later on. I, I think a draw was probably about right. I just wish it had been a score draw rather than a nil nil. What do you make of Motherwell, Kieran? I was, I was just what do you make of Hibs? I was going to say, but Hibs Hibs are a bit disappointing, really. Under what we saw early on under Jack Ross, which was you know very positive, very much of an upturn after Heckingbottom, even like. I don't know they were against limited opposition, but watching them in the Edinburgh Derby just before the break, you could see signs there that they got some important players back. Martin Boyle was playing very well. But Big fan of Martin Boyle. They just... He's good, isn't he? I was going to say they're very inconsistent, but really they've actually just been consistently not very good over the past few weeks. And to lose it at Livingston, then the Dundee United Cup tie was a really good game. I replay on Tuesday. How's um, that going to go? I, I fancied Dundee United before the first game. I think I still probably do, just watching Hibs over the past few weeks. I mean, even the Hamilton game that they won last midweek, they were very lucky to win. Hamilton, we know, um, could be quite limited and, and were by far the better team for the at least the first half of that game. So, yeah, it's, it's not been the steady progress that I was expecting uh, from Hibs under Jack Ross. So I would fancy Dundee United to to go to uh, Easter Road and win. Well, I don't know what you think of that, Finn, but did you know that Lorraine Kelly was supporting the Tangerines at the weekend at Tannadice. Apparently, I've not seen this, but apparently she was running around the pitch so fast the cameraman couldn't keep up with her. Was this... She's got legs. Was this the actor that plays Lorraine Kelly or the real Lorraine Kelly? I don't know. 
yeah, they should sign her up. She's got that kind of pace, definitely. Maybe she's the twenty goal striker that Steve Robinson. <laughs> she might be, yeah. Uh, I wonder whether Robinson's actually just trying to sort of do. I mean, he's going to try to do as well as he can because he's a professional manager. But whether he would absolutely, definitely, one hundred percent take any job he'd get offered off the back of an impressive season at Motherwell in the season. Jack Ross will be there for a while at Hibs, I would have thought, because he needs to kind of do a bit of well, damage. The, the, the Northern Ireland job is still kind of hanging out there. Because oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Michael O'Neill at the moment is doing both. And I would imagine Northern Ireland doing the playoffs, like Scotland are, so he's definitely doing the playoffs. Then if they got knocked out from that, I imagine they would make a, a full-time appointment. Or if they even qualified, I imagine Michael O'Neill would probably do it until the tournament and then leave after that. So there's still that possibility. There's another Scottish Cup replay, which is Arbroath against Falkirk. Do you want to pin colours to a mast? That's the cliche, isn't it? Is that the saying? You pin colours to a mast? Pin your colours to the mast. Or stripes, yeah. what is it? One of the two. Pin your colours. Who's going to win it, Finn? Tell me. Um, I think Falkirk. I think this game was it was 0-0 in the yeah. initial one. Yeah, I, I would fancy Falkirk. Uh, Falkirk won 6-0 at the weekend, so I'm going for them. You're both wrong. The answer was football. <laughs> uh, that's it for this week's show. Thanks to Kieran and Finn. Also, thanks to the Little Kicks for our theme tune. You can listen to them on Spotify and all the other places. They've got lots of, uh, got loads of albums actually, and the new one coming this year at some point. Anyway, they're really good. Little Kicks. Uh, thank you to Abby for pushing all the buttons and producing the show. We'll be back next Tuesday with more from the Premiership and in between. So from all of us here on Totally Scottish Football Show, see you next Tuesday. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Hello there, football fan. My name's Lindsay Hooper and I'm here to tell you about another podcast that just might catch your interest. It's called the Offside Rule WSL Edition and every week it's me and Kate Borsay talking to a load of former and current footballers plus those in the know talk about what's going on in the world of women's football. So if you love your football and want something a little different, then give us a try. It's the Offside Rule WSL Edition available right now wherever you're listening to this podcast. The Offside Rule WSL Edition because women's football is for life, not just for every World Cup. Muddy Knees Media.